I personally have never fed sheep or tended to them in any way, but as many of you already know, I am very fond of baby goats. So fond, in fact, that for Mother's Day one year, my family gave me an excursion to a goat ranch where you could cuddle and feed the newly weaned kids. These babies were beyond adorable. And I can still recall how happy they were to be bottle-fed and played with, how eager for human interaction and companionship they seemed to be. Other goat-related gifts have followed, including the goat that visited us during Zoom coffee hour back in 2020, and they have all been sources of joy to me. I've been thinking about this, of course, because the Gospel of John uses the metaphor of tending to a flock to describe what it means to be one of the disciples of Jesus. During his lifetime, Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, promising to love the people he serves, even to the point of giving away his life for them. Now, in today's passage, in this conversation with Peter, having had a simple breakfast of bread and fish cooked on a charcoal fire, Jesus hands over his ministry to others using that same metaphor, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. He is saying to Peter, in effect, I took care of them. I gave my all for them. Now it is time for you to do the same and follow me. It is always tempting to interpret a passage like this in a highly individualistic, personal, and spiritual way, but to do so misses much of the relevance and richness of this gospel to our lives. Now, it is true that at the time of the crucifixion, Peter betrayed Jesus, denying him three times, and now Peter does get this chance to affirm three times that, of course, he loves Jesus. This is a moving and memorable encounter, a moment of healing and reconciliation that we do not want to gloss over. But following in the footsteps of Jesus means more than experiencing personal healing or taking care of those closest to us. It means loving the world, loving the whole world, friend and enemy, neighbor and stranger, human and non-human, because God loved it first, loved it enough to become a part of it, joining in the cycle of life and death that shapes the reality of all creation. Why is it important that we begin to see that when Jesus says, love your neighbor or feed my sheep, he is talking about all of creation, not just our human siblings, but the whole world that God made. There are many reasons, but one that I want to look at today is because we are all connected. And in a very real way, what harms one of us harms all of us. So we can't compartmentalize our love or our concern. 
To take just one example, let's think about the effect of climate change on youth. In 2021, a survey of 10,000 young people, defined by this study as being between the ages of 16 and 25, concluded that concern about climate change is directly affecting the mental health of an entire generation. According to an NPR story about the research, of those surveyed, nearly 60% reported that they felt either very or extremely worried about climate change. More than half said that climate change made them feel afraid, sad, anxious, angry, powerless, helpless, and or guilty. In fact, 77% they con- said they considered the future to be frightening, and 56% agreed with the viewpoint that humanity is doomed. I promise I won't share any more scary statistics with you this morning. You get the point. Climate change is hurting people, physically and mentally, right now. It is not just a matter of habitat destruction for plants and animals, or some future damage that might occur as sea levels rise. It is an actively harmful force menacing our world at this present moment. That is where the church comes in, or can. What the response to that survey tells us is that young people have lost faith in institutions in large part because institutions have failed them. Governments have certainly failed them, have failed all of us, really. The church needs to do something different, to be something different, and we need to start now. For more and more of us facing the immediate threat that climate change poses to all of creation might be exactly what following Jesus looks like in the 21st century. When Jesus gave us, the church, the responsibility to tend his flock, he was demonstrating tremendous faith in us. At a moment like the one we live in, it might well feel like he's giving us more than we can handle. But remember, that first invitation, that first call to discipleship, also came at a moment when those who loved him had every reason to think that it was all over, all hope was lost, and there was no choice left but to return to their old way of life and muddle through things as best they could. Jesus had something else in mind. Not defeat, not despair, not helplessness, but hope and new life. And he did not leave us to figure it out alone or abandon us to our own devices. We are not being asked to do anything by our own power or to go anywhere that Jesus has not already gone. We are being called to follow, even into treacherous and frightening places, but to follow in community as a flock, if you will and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have to demonstrate our faith through our actions if we want the church to have a meaningful role to play in the world, 
If we want people to believe that we are a place where they can find God's presence active and alive, find God's love nourishing and empowering them, a place, in other words, where they can find hope and companions for the journey. When Jesus tells Peter to tend his sheep, we may hear in these words a reminder of our first vocation as human beings, the charge that was given to us all the way back in Genesis, to tend and keep the garden, to care for creation as a good farmer cares for her fields. By repeatedly asking Peter to demonstrate his love by tending and feeding his flock, Jesus is reminding us that love is an action, a verb, something that is tangible and embodied. And furthermore, no matter how many times we fail at that responsibility, how many times we fall down on the job, we will be forgiven and our call will be renewed. As Professor Joy J. Moore puts it, Understanding the story this way can lead us to, quote, recognize that God has not given up on us, and that is good news. Maybe things like playing with baby goats or starting a garden feel like these tiny steps, too small to make any difference to the enormous challenges we face. But the truth is, even these tiny steps have the power to change the world. How? They generate love. The more we know creation in its specific and local particulars, the more we will love it and recognize in it all of God's redeeming work. For me, it is love for goats and gardening my family and my faith community, not to mention books and food and dogs and all kinds of other things. For you, it might be your love of children or camping or surfing or just a particular landscape. We have to turn our love into action. Do you love me? Feed the soil so that plants can thrive. Do you love me? Tend to the oceans, the reefs, the rivers and watersheds, so that our children have clean water to drink and can trust the land beneath their feet. Do you love me? Feed the bees and other pollinators with wildflowers and native plants, with crops free from pesticides and herbicides, so that we can continue to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus is clear that love is the answer, the way forward, the thing the world needs most, as it did then, as it does now, and as it always will. Love God, love one another, love the world. Amen.